Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Dana DeGriff, author of the new book, Words and Wonder, A Guide to Becoming a, writer, a Creative Writer. Dana holds a master's in fine arts from the University of Miami. She has taught creative writing at the University of Texas at Austin, the University of Miami, Books and Books, the Loft Literary Center, Austin Bat Cave, Writing Workshops, and Writers.com. She is also a writing coach of emerging and established writers. Her work appears in Cosmonauts Avenue, Pink, Origins Journal, and Gulfstream Magazine, among others. She's the recipient of a 2021 Pushcart Prize nomination and was selected as a finalist for the 2021 Key West Literary Seminars Marion Russo Award for her novel and progress, Everyday Mysticism. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your book, Words and Wonder, A Guide to Becoming a Creative Writer, can you describe the book and how it would benefit someone who is writing their own stories or novels? Sure. So the way that I would describe the book most succinctly would be it's a it's a guidebook of sorts, but also sort of like having a friend who is a writer with you talking you through all the steps of becoming a writer. But also, I would say that while this is a book for emerging writers or secret writers, as I call them, people who love to write but don't tell anybody that they write, uh, it's also helpful for writers who are already established but are feeling stuck or feel as if they need some kind of infusion of inspiration, of wonder, and want to just look at writing and the writing life in a different light. Sure. Well, what led you to write Words and Wonder, A Guide to Becoming a Creative Writing a Creative Writer? So I am a novelist at heart. I am currently working at on my third novel. And I when it comes to publishing, I've been trying to go the traditional route. So that is, you know, working, finding an agent, having the agent send out your manuscript to publishing houses waiting for the editors. And the whole process is, it's very, it can be very long. It can also be very torturous, I would say. <laughs> and um, I just, I started to think about publishing in general and, you know, what can I do in the meantime while I just wait here? I'm waiting and I'm writing and, you know, I'm not giving up, but a lot of it is out of my control after I finish the book. So I decided to do something different. And as someone who's taught creative writing for more than 10 years, I realized from all my classes and my lectures and webinars and workshops, I had enough material to write a craft book, a guidebook, nonfiction, and that I didn't have to wait for the gatekeepers, as it were. And so I decided to self-publish Words and Wonder. That's great. Well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to your writing career and getting an MFA? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I talk about it a little bit in the book, but um, you know, I I say that I was 
Uh, first, I was a reader. I always loved reading and like a lot of writers, found a lot of comfort and solace in the written word and in characters. And But I didn't, I actually for a long time thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, which is kind of, it's a pretty big stretch <laughs> from becoming a writer. Um, and the reason I didn't become a fashion designer is because I, I realized that I hate sewing. So, I, but throughout all of that, I was still reading. And it wasn't until, though, I read The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison in my high school English class that I thought for the first time, this is something I want to do also. I would like to write a book that makes someone think about the world differently and be moved by words. So that was, I don't know, I think I was 17. From that point to actually becoming a writer, like taking it seriously, it was a good, uh, I'd say a good decade. Sure. Well, some people who try to write struggle with imposter syndrome. What are your techniques and suggestions for dealing with imposter syndrome for writers? Well, I I would say off the bat, me too. I, I still struggle. <laughs> I still struggle with imposter syndrome. And I, I think that's, you know, par for the course, being a human being and being a sensitive human being, as I think most writers are, or at least should be, uh, you have to, you know, you're absorbing a lot and you're observing a lot and we're in our heads all the time. And so it's very easy to to turn the critiques and negative self-talk on ourselves and then get into the worst place for a writer, which is, uh, you know, paralyzing fear or paralyzing, you know, uh, imposter syndrome, which leads to nothing. And that's the worst place to be as a writer. So the way for me, what really has helped is honestly just talking about it. Um, because every time I bring it up, someone else says me too. And just taking away this feeling or this false belief that it's just me who's struggling with it. Because the more you talk to other writers, the more you read interviews with other writers, listen to interviews, uh, you realize that that's almost everybody. And it kind of gets to this point of, I almost feel like it's weird if someone doesn't have imposter <laughs> I almost feel like there's something wrong with that writer who is so enamored with their own words or so confident that everything is going to work out that it, it it actually makes me a little fearful for them. Uh, so balance, balance is really important. So I, you know, I talk to my writer friends about it. I, you know, I'm, I'm open with them. They give me support and comfort. Um, and then, you know, taking a lot of breaks when I feel myself getting into that mind frame, that mindset, I go out for a walk. That's that's a, you know, a tip that I give. I, I meditate. I, I do yoga. I journal. I write letters to my fears. So, you know, what 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 am I feeling that I'm an imposter about? OK, I'm going to let me just write through that. Um, and that. That has helped me a lot, uh, while also keeping in mind that it, it will come back. But as long as I can, I recognize what is happening and recognize that those that imposter syndrome is based on false beliefs. 
then I can more easily move on from there and keep doing the work. Sure. Well, I've interviewed many writers on the podcast who have attended MFA programs. You write about MFA programs in your book. Do you think writers should attend MFA programs? Yeah, that's, um, it's a, the, the short answer is it depends. So Mm -hmm. I, my, my best advice or my viewpoint on MFA programs is that I think the best thing about MFA programs is the time. So you get, you get uh, two or three years of time to really dedicate to your writing. And that's very rare. Unless you have a ton of money already um, or, yeah, I think that's the only reason you would have all the time to raise. You have a ton of money, so <laughs> you don't have to work. So that's great. But that's not the majority of people. And that wasn't my case. Um, I made a lot of sacrifices to go back to school. I had a full-time job and, you know, I write about this. I had a full-time job and I was an editor and I had the benefits and the 401k and all this, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. And I felt like I had given up on my creative side. So I went back to school and I, you know, made it work. And I was very aware of the time crunch, the, the ticking, the three years that sounded like a lot, but would go very fast, which it did. But in those three years, I was able to cultivate a sense of discipline, making sacrifices and and having writing be a priority as opposed to uh, doing it on a whim when I felt like it. Um, However, the flip side is, you know, I would say, for example, MFA is not worth it if you have to pay for it. I don't think anyone should do that. I don't understand why you would pay for a writing degree, which going into an industry that is so hard to make money in. It's not impossible, but I, I just think that's, uh, it shouldn't be that way. There, there are plenty of programs where you either get a stipend or you teach in exchange for your tuition. So I would strongly suggest people don't take out loans to get a creative writing, a master's in creative writing. Um, I also think that some people already have the discipline and they have the practice and they don't particularly need instruction on writing. And so then it might be counterintuitive because you do have to be in workshops and you have to read other people's writing and you have to, you know, listen to your professors and and some people don't need that. Um, you also have to take literature classes and sometimes you have to take pedagogy classes and, and that might not be for everybody. So research is really important. Just pinpointing the program that you do want to go to, uh, and also recognizing what you need and what you're not willing to, I guess, deal with, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, the vast majority of writers face a lot of rejection before they have their first short stories or novel accepted for publication. And mm-hmm. in, in, in many cases, even after a writer has been published, they still face rejection. You mm-hmm. write about rejection in your book. How can writers deal with the rejection of their work? Yeah, rejection is definitely part of it. It's a huge part <laughs> of, the, of the writing life. Um, I think, 
You know, I think a lot of writing is is kind of like dating in a sense. You're you're going to have you're going to have to deal with a lot of no's. You're going to have you're going to get some nice no's where, you know, you maybe you have a good connection, but it's not going to work out. You're going to have to uh, go through a lot of duds and, and a lot of heartbreak to get to find the one. Um, and you hear, you know, you'll hear that phrase a lot. All it takes is one yes. And and this is true. But to to get to that yes, you often have to hear a lot of no's. So for me, rejection, um, it's it still doesn't feel good. It's never going to feel good. I don't think that's possible. But for me at this point, I've heard I've gotten so many no's on uh, short stories, poetry, books um fellowships scholarships everything hundreds of no's i would say at this point in my life and at a certain point it still hurts but it just hurts less and it doesn't stop me from from trying uh to keep going so i i think it's it kind of is just a numbers game so and that's sort of the writing life as well is that you a lot of it is perseverance. You decide whether you're going to give up or you're not going to give up. And it's it's a fairly simple decision. You can either keep writing or you don't keep writing. You can either keep submitting or you don't. I've decided that it's it's worth it because when I get that yes, it feels amazing and I get to share my writing with the world. And I will put up with the rejections to get to that because I know there's no way to uh, circle around that. There's no like point A to B for the yes. You have to go through all of the, everything in between. And uh, that's never going to change. So acceptance, I suppose, is part of rejection. Sure. Well, what writing advice would you offer for someone who is out there working on their own stories or a novel? And maybe they haven't gone the MFA route for whatever reason. And, you know, maybe they don't have a writing group. They're just out there um, working on their stories and novels. What writing advice would you offer for them? Well, I think if you're not doing an MFA, then you still need to have a community. Mm-hmm. For me, that's that's been really important. And, uh, you know, busting the myth of writing is done alone. I, I don't think that's true anymore. Yes, there is the part where you are uh, writing in your notebook or in your phone or on your laptop, but the act of writing, you can do that with other people and you do need a community. And so I, for example, write three times a week with a small group of other writers and we all, you know, this has come about since the pandemic, we all uh, log into Zoom and we write together, but we're all on mute. But there's something special about looking up and seeing other people do the same thing. It's writing can be very lonely, but it doesn't have to be. So whether it's, you know, you meet up with someone at a coffee shop or at someone's house or on Zoom, you can you can foster that sense of community. And those are the people who are going to be able to help you when you are feeling imposter syndrome, for example, or will bring up a, a, comp, a contest that's coming up or a fellowship you might not know about. And 
will read your work. And that's important too, is that, you know, if you are writing, um, you need to have readers. So you can't just submit first drafts to, to journals or to uh, agents and anyone else. So you need other people to read your work, to offer feedback. And so I think my first piece of advice would be to find a community if you don't have one. And there's tons of meetups. You know, you can just go to meetup.com. You can, if you have writer friends already in your life, suggest times to write together. Um, there's, I mean, with the internet, it's pretty easy to find people uh, that you can connect with about writing. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's helped me so much because there's so many times still after doing this for, you know, more than a decade where I just don't, I don't feel like it. And that's the trick is like, there's so many, it's hard to put yourself in the writing flow state. It ha it takes work and it takes practice and having that accountability has helped me so much to just to get the words down and to do the hard thing of writing. Sure. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you are pursuing uh, the traditional publishing route, which, as you mentioned, can be a, a long road and and take a lot of time. But uh, now with independent indie publishing or self-publishing via um, ebooks and, and Kindles, uh, people can can um can publish what they write. Do you cover indie publishing in the book? Um, so I, I let, do I cover indie publishing? So I kind of cover, I cover what to do when you're ready to publish your work. If you mm -hmm. do want to publish your work. And for me, that's, I kind of go over, it depends what you're writing. So if you are doing, you know, uh, if you don't have a collection of stories or poems or a novel or a memoir, then I go over, you know, sort of the the literary journal route. Um, if you want, obviously, you can self-publish on your own website, for example. Um, but yeah, I do. I do talk a little bit about the traditional publishing route and um, not too much about self-publishing mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, it's again, it's depends on the writer. I think everybody is different. I think right. what's important is what is your, what's your end, what's your end game, your end goal? Like, do you want, if it doesn't really matter to you to have a name associated with the book, um, to have reviews, uh, to have like a book tour and all those things that comes with traditional publishing, then I think self-publishing is, is a fine option. And that is, you know, there's no issue with that. You just have to know what you want going into it. Sure, sure. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your book and and uh, and your other writing as well? Sure. So I have a website. It's danadegreff.com. So it's just my name. And there I have, you know, uh, updated my page of my writing. So um, I just published a, I did a guest blog on the DIY MFA website, um, which includes some, some doors, which is what I call prompts. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about writing prompts as doors as like openings into mm -hmm. writing as opposed to 
that word is so sterile to me, prompt. Um, <laughs> it sounds kind of like, makes me think of college entrance essays. But um, so I have a list of doors there, for example. So if people are looking for, you know, they're, they w- want to uh, springboard into some writing in a more creative way, you could check that out. Um, and then in terms of uh, purchasing the, the book, uh, you can do that on my website and it is going to be out in print on the 29th. And if you purchase it through my website, I will uh, sign it and uh, include a note. But you can also get it on Amazon and all of the online outlets. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Dana DeGreff, author of the new book, Words and Wonder, A Guide to Becoming a Creative Writer. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Dana, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was great. Great. That was wonderful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.